In a world where Chad Metz lives and breathes all things DC film, he is then forced and held hostage to talk about movie studios that actually have their stuff together. Well, no, this is the easy welcome part. Welcome to the Movies on the Brain podcast. Thank you. T- <laughs> welcome to the Movies on the Brain podcast. I am one of your hosts, Brian Steve Wood, and with me this evening is my good friend and co-host as we venture closer to 300. Chad Metz. Welcome to another weird, wild, and wacky week in the world of genre movie news. So, Chad, uh, busy weekend for us here in Baton Rouge as the uh, two giant universities that reside in this city played football against one another. So uh, it's been a busy weekend for both of us. Not a lot of time to catch up and and recoup uh, on or recap what happened at D23 this past weekend. But we know that it did indeed happen. And so what are your initial reactions coming out of D23 compared to your initial reactions coming out of, say, Comic-Con? Um, so I think they, they, uh, it wasn't as big as I would, I thought coming out of Comic-Con. I thought that if they were going to do that, they would do more like big kind of, I guess, explosive for lack of a better word, things at D23. And while I think they, uh, I think they revealed quite a lot. It was still a lot of things that we already knew. There weren't a whole lot of surprises. Um, so depending on your expectation, if you were ex- expecting uh, big surprises like the whole entire cast of Fantastic Four and whatnot, and I kind of was, uh, I can see you being disappointed in D23. Um, I'm able to temper my expectations. So even if it's not what I thought I was getting, um I can be satisfied with what I got. And I was, you know, I was satisfied with what we got. We got uh, a lot of descriptions of things that, that were show because most of it was exclusive to the people watching at the expo. Uh, but we got a few trailers, um, a few that I didn't even think we would get because they're, those projects are what I would consider far off. Um, but overall, um, it was just like a lot of good information. So it's like this D23, this D23 felt more like a mix between kind of like an investor call where it kind of it was laid out kind of matter of factly, but with a, you know, Disney flair. So I guess it's a mix between an investor call and a Comic-Con presentation. Uh, You know, everything that's coming specifically for like the next two years I think they do D23 every two years. So they kind of laid out everything that you can expect between now and the next time we do D23. And for things that they felt were close, they gave you some new things uh, for things that are far off. Uh, they might have touched on them, but more, more or less, you know, stuck to those two years. So if you look at it in that framework, it makes sense what, why we got what we got and why there were things that we didn't hear from. So it's all about what your expectations were. Um, this is, this is a mix between a comic con presentation and the investor day that they did a couple of November's ago. Um, I am not disappointed and or surprised by anything that really happened this weekend outside of like some 
some Disney uh, Disney Plus stuff that you know I wasn't really expecting stuff like the second season of the John Stamos show about girls basketball and things <laughs> like that. But like, um, like my expectation was for them to do the same thing they did in 2019, at least as far as Marvel goes, which is doubling down uh, on top of what they did at Comic Con. So, for instance, at, at D23 2019. We are coming off the hills of the entire phase four slate announcement. And there were still a few spots on that timeline that, that Feige didn't reveal. He came back six eight weeks later at D23. And what did he give us? He gave us She-Hulk. He gave us Miss Marvel and Moon Knight. And he filled those in on the on the on the timeline. None of those are what you would call groundbreaking announcements they weren't met with huge uh fanfare but they were um important announcements um and i feel like you build upon in, in the way that adding miss marvel moon knight and she hulk to the timeline in 2019 the 19 comic-con panel is the same way i felt like this built onto the 2022 comic-con panel because like Okay, we're getting a Thunderbolts movie. Well, who's going to be in the Thunderbolts movie? Here's the list of the people who are going to be in the Thunderbolts movie. Okay, uh, we're going to do a Fantastic Four movie. Well, who's going to direct the Fantastic Four movie? Okay, well, here's who's going to direct that Fantastic Four movie. Um, oh, we couldn't get Brie Larson and all of the folks on stage for Miss um, Marvel for Comic-Con? Oh, we can take care of that. We can do that today at D23. Um, you know, that's that's building on. Okay, we announced this, but we're gonna we're gonna put the, the meat on the bones at D twenty three, and I think that that's that's really what they did it. Ooh, uh oh, Leonard uh, Leonard limping a bit there. He's a, over had a really good game. I'm surprised he's limping there. But yeah. Yeah, that just looks like an ankle twist or something. Um so yeah, that's that's my thing. It built on top of what he already gave us. And this is probably going to be the way that they do moving go moving forward. There will be Comic Cons, Comic Con panels. There will be um, random announcements because, as Jim always points out on our podcast, like if Marvel wants to just drop a whole bunch of stuff on a random Tuesday, they can do that. Mm -hmm. um, but like, I think we're gonna the big announcements are come, going to come every two years and they're going to come at, at in this format. We'll get a lot of D, at Comic-Con and then we'll get more at D23 and then we'll be good for two more years. Because by the time D23 and Comic-Con 2024 roll around, you're going to be just on the heels of the release of Thunderbolts. You're just going to have ended Phase 5 and you're going to be getting ready to start Phase 6 in November of 2024. So like you'll have more stuff to announce at that point as you're getting closer to Kang Dynasty and uh Secret Wars. That's uh that's an interesting proposition. I hadn't quite thought of it that way. It makes sense. So uh so so in this hypothetical, would they just skip Comic-Con on the years they don't have D23? Um I think they would. Uh, or if I mean, you don't have to be there every year, and they certainly haven't gone every year. 
um, you know, since Endgame, they passed on 2021, and there obviously there was no convention in 20. But yes, that would that would be my thought. Is if they would I, skip it and just if they wanted to. Yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, I don't. I, I don't see a reason to disagree with it. I mean, I see a lot of uh, approach to doing it that way, particularly, you know, since we've been on this. Uh, well, since this one seems to be geared around specifically around the immediate two years, uh, and technically you could just skip, you could just do every other comic con. I'm just kind of, I'm kind of curious. I wouldn't, if they skipped it, I wouldn't be upset. Uh, if they went, I wouldn't be upset. I'm just kind of curious, um, how they view. Just think about the spot they're going to be in, in two years. Uh, phase five will have been phase four and phase five will be done. You will be less than a year away from Kang dynasty and a little bit before a year before, uh, Secret Wars. At this point, you would have the full cast announcements for both. You would have directors for both. You would have which what your Avengers lineup is because right now, as it stands here in the year of our Lord in September of 2022, we have no idea what an Avengers lineup looks like because you've got people like Spider Man, but you've also got people like you know She Hulk and you know. Echo and Daredevil and where do they all fit and that kind of a thing. So like you don't know at this point in the year of our Lord 2022 what an Avengers lineup would look like. You could roll that out very easily. You could also roll out the very first trailer, the very first major footage from a Fantastic Four movie nine years after the last one and the first one to be done by Marvel proper. Um, out and that would kill a Comic Con. Um, and at that point, you would be finishing off your 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 um your TV lineup as well, so you could flush out some some of your TV properties and be like, okay, this is what we're doing going forward. I think that two year announcements benefit them because it keeps the cycle moving while also giving time for the current stuff that's going on to to be appreciated. Yeah, I, like I definitely see value in doing it that way. It's just, you know, the pandemic threw everything off, and like you, they didn't they didn't go to Comic Con before the pandemic. It just kind of it's all a blur because of the pandemic stuff. Well, so. they, they went every year. They went pretty much every year during the original Infinity Saga because uh-huh. they. But that was because the way that the release calendar was being set up. They only had two or three projects in a given year. Right. So like in 2016, 2016 onward, you had three movies every year. Uh-huh. So like you had something at least to promote or you were in between promotion cycles every time Comic-Con rolled around. So you had a reason to go. Um, but I mean... Like that, the release date, the release window changes when you throw in, you know, what I was re listening the other night to our Comic Con reaction special. We counted up, there would be like at the end, it would be 40 or 41 movies and 22 TV shows over the course of two and a half, three years. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a lot, it's a lot more than what it was because of Disney Plus. Because without Disney Plus being a thing, Half of this stuff isn't greenlit. You're not you're not making a uh, a She-Hulk movie. 
Yeah, you're right. Certainly not in this vein. Right, right. Uh, that's it. It's just I never thought of it. So uh, you bringing it up is a is a good and interesting point. And now it's going to be something I'm gonna uh, um, be on the lookout for come next year. Or yeah, it'll be. I mean, we won't hear anything else about them their plans for Comic Con until you know, like May eight. Well, no, probably March. I think March is March ish is when we start hearing about that kind of stuff. So it's just something to keep an eye out now. All right, so let's dive into all of the D23 things, including the 100th anniversary of Marvel and the new theme park ride as they are rebranding Splash Mountain for non-racist reasons. <laughs> and and uh, moving on with the 100-year the celebration of, uh, of Disney. Right, so um, there's a whole lot of information here. Uh, I don't think we can do all of it, but uh, we're going to go through uh, these different reports that are broken down by subject matter. And we'll start with uh, the Disney parks first. Um, So going through this, it starts with Disneyland and it looks like um, (laughs) uh, the the first thing they did was bring out John Favreau and said that, uh, of course, they're going to make an animatronic Grogu, and it's going to be part of Galaxy's Edge in Disneyland. I don't know if he's going to be in Disney World. We'll find out later. I guess they'll say that then. Uh, but for those that are like Disneyland and will be going sometime this year, Grogu, little baby Yoda, will be there in November. Uh, I know. Some I have people... questions about this, John. Why do you have questions? I have, about I have this? questions. Okay, lay the question. Who is small enough? And tiny enough to fit inside of a baby Yoda costume? Oh, no, no. I, I don't. Well, it, no, no. It's not going to be a costume person. It's going to be a little animatronic. Ah, well, I mean, that makes sense. That makes so, more sense. I mean, that, that makes more sense through Bob, than Babu Frick propping back up. Yeah. So I, if it's like, I haven't been to Disneyland. I've been to Disney World. And in, uh, in Galaxy's Edge and Disney World, there's like this one part of it that's like it's like the showpiece so you can walk by it you can walk all the way around it um but when like the characters come and like want to do like this kind of show the the um the first order is looking for whoever's from the uh the rebel alliance they'll do it there so they'll be walking around looking in there but we as we as park goers can't really go into that. We can get close to it, but you can't walk into it. So I would imagine that Grogu's going to be in there somewhere, r- walking around. Uh, also, it's kind of like uh, in Disneyland. If you've seen the videos of Spider Man swinging on Avengers Campus, uh, that is again you can get close. You can see it real close, but you're not close enough where they you're, you're they have it sectioned off so they can have the Spider-Man robot swing and don't have to worry about people being near it. All right. So let's see. Continue on that. Uh, Yeah. So they said Avengers campus, which is only Disneyland is going to be expanding. Um, They're, they're swinging it. They're bringing the multiverse to Disneyland uh, where they're going to expand it. And they're going to introduce an alternate a variant version of Kang, uh, not Kang, Thanos, called King Thanos, and he's going to be 
in Disneyland in Avengers Campus for, I guess, I don't know how long. I think they can cycle stuff out uh, from here on out. But the multiverse is going to be added to Avengers Campus. Um, they're, they're adding the Hulk to Avengers Campus. Uh, and I think they're... It doesn't say it here because I don't think it's final, but I think they're going to be they're going to add some more attractions to the Avengers Campus part of Disneyland. Um, I don't know how that's yeah, going to work. It said, it, it said it at the top there. It said that they were going to they, they were going to do a third a third major ride, right. and that would be the one that's that's surrounded that's generated around Thanos in the multiverse. So um, that's an expansion in it in and of itself, and then you add in new characters and such. See the characters I get. I don't know. Again, I've never been to Disneyland, but my understanding is it is that Disneyland has like a finite amount of space to do stuff, and I don't know how you like they already took from so much other stuff to get uh, Avengers Campus and Galaxy's Edge there now, and I'm sure they set outside space to expand, but how much can how much really can they expand in that area? Um, that I want to go to Disneyland just to see the layout to get a grasp of it myself. But that's when I read all this, that was my first thought. It's like, where's all this going to go? Cause Disneyland seems to be really compact compared. I know it's really compact compared to Disney world. All right. Indeed. Uh, as Dak injures his hand. Oh, I was wondering why, who is that? Uh, who is that? Is that one of those Oklahoma state quarterbacks? I can't remember his name. Uh, let's see. I can't get a name on the back of the jersey. There. Yeah, that's what I was trying to find. I was trying to look at it too. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. Well, Lee Dalton was the backup quarterback the, uh, there last year, and hasn't been. Able to... Dalton's with the Saints. Yeah, that's why I'm saying he was. Yeah. He was with the with the Cowboys the last two years. Yeah, but this guy seems to be a ginger too. So they just keep kind of keep that quota going. Jerry loves his quotas. <laughs> All right. Uh, to get through I think the rest of Disneyland real quick. Um, they're going to um, add a, a big Hero 6 part of the park. It seems like they're changing. Uh, they called it Pacific Wharf at uh, Disneyland, Disney California Adventure. That's part of Disneyland, not as, but like it's kind of a separate part. They're all part of the same thing. It's, I think it's, it's uh, similar. Similar to my my understanding of it is that Disney's California Adventure is basically kind of the way that like uh, the uh, Hogwarts experience at Universal is. Yeah. Like you have like you have Islands of Adventure and then you have the Hogwarts experience, two separate sides of the park. Similar type deal that California Adventure is a part of Disney World, Disneyland, but it's separate. Like, yeah, that that's. That's my understanding of it too, but uh, it looks like they're gonna so they're gonna change a part of it to San Francisco, um, and they're gonna add a Pixar hotel to. I'm guessing it's gonna be close to that pier. Um, the next really big thing is that in in Toontown they're gonna add um, a version of Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway, which is an attraction in. Um, Hollywood Studios in, in Disney World, which right. replaced the Great Movie Ride, right? Uh, which I know people of a certain age still get upset about that. Uh, 
I don't get nearly as upset about that as the back the backlot tour being ended. All right. I'm, uh, okay. So I get you with the backlot tour. Um, however, so this is like my kid's hobby to watch videos about Disney World. Understanding why MGM came into existence, how that backlot tour worked compared to everything else. That was a bad idea from the start, but we can get into that way later because we're going to be doing this for a while anyway. But uh, the Runaway Railway, I think for how I understand Toontown and the layout, I think that's a good addition. It's, I don't think there's any other like Mickey-based ride. And that ride's fun, so it, it'll be good for the kids. I don't think they have to... T- they're not taking away like the great movie ride, so, you know... Old folks won't get mad about the great movie ride, but it was outdated anyway. So, and the next big thing, and this will be in both parks, um, but they are getting rid of Splash Mountain. I think if you want to ride Splash Mountain, like this year is the year to, uh, I think to do it by the end of this year will be the time to do it. And they are replacing it with a Princess and the Frog theme ride. I think tentatively it's Tiana's Bayou Adventure. They might change the name, but they're basically the ride itself. I don't think the mechanics of that are going to change all that much, but they're basically reskinning it. So they're taking away all the Song of the South stuff and replacing it with Princess and the Frog stuff. And um, yeah, it's because Disney has been moving away from Song of the South. For the last, I don't even know if I could say 30 years because it's been released in theaters within my lifetime and it was on the Disney Channel at least once. So, but the last like 25 years, they shot away from it. So, you're gonna get it'll be the same ride, new skin. So, it'll be a new experience for, for folks. And I, for one, am excited for it. I mean, yeah, I'm excited for it, but I also think that we're just going to replace racism and the stereotypes of black people in the South with the stereotypes of black people on the bayou. Uh, See, so it's not, I don't think they're replacing it for the the stereotypes of black people in the ride, because the ride, the ride is pretty much only the cartoon parts of Song in the South. And then, and even then, the most racist part of the uh, of the cartoon parts, which would be the Tar Baby part, is completely gone from the ride. They're replacing this ride strictly because of the movie. Not anything to. It's not anything the ride did, did itself. It is the movie and what people. It's not even what people have seen from the movie. It's what people have heard about the movie because so few. I can't say so few people. Because a lot of people have seen it, but because they took it away, everybody can't see it. So now you're depending on people's memory, recollection, word of mouth, and like bootleg versions out there, which most people don't know their bootleg versions. So they can only, you know, they just hear about this movie Song of the South and that it was racist. And that's all they know. They don't know what parts of it are racist. They don't know. Well, they don't know the premise of the movie. They don't know why it's racist, what parts of it is racist. I don't even know. Some people might think the whole movie is actually animated when it is not. Uh, So I think a lot of the turmoil with this movie is 
like self-inflicted by Disney by trying to run away from it, which I get. I get why they would want to, but I also know that they weren't afraid of this movie until like the 90s. Um, that's part of the whole thing, right? Is that, you know, um, how do you say this? Um, that basically what you're doing is if you want to apologize for the movie or you want or the movie is so bad or so offensive that you can't put it out on video or you can't release it in theaters doing this other stuff they haven't done for 25 years, then why is it okay to have a ride based around it? And that was always the thing. Well, it can't be that bad because you have a ride built around it. So that finally, that criticism finally got to them enough to be like, okay, maybe we need to re- readjust. And so over the course of 2023, we're going to take all the, um, all the animatronics down. We're going to change it up, make it feel a little bit more like New Orleans in the Bayou and, and give a Disney or underrated Disney movie, a main attraction at Disney world, which I'm all for. Yeah. Well, so, all right. The, so the, the, the thing with this ride is, you know, the thing, well, the thing with the movie and the thing with the ride, like I said that the movie, the movie has been shown in theaters in my lifetime. I'm 40 years old. I've never seen it in, in theaters, but I could have seen it when I was like seven. So if you want to do the math on that, that's like 1988. This ride was made in like 1989. That's how much Disney was not running away from this. It was like, basically what happened is they started getting scared of it. Like within two to three years of this ride being made. So they yanked everything from song, everything song of the South, except for this ride because the ride was fairly new. I think now it's just to the point where the ride is 30 plus years old. Um, people that the, the climate has changed so much that people can look into or just know about just the, the plot of the movie and understand how racist it was. And if you look, and if you do any like cursory research on the movie, you'll find out that the movie has been boycotted since the day they announced it. So they're just really trying to get a clean sweep under the rug. And this, the, the, the ride is like the last big thing. No, nobody has like really made a big stink about song in the South and the ride. I mean, you hear stuff here and there, but nothing like really, really big. So they're just, I think it's just been a call like the last few years, like let's just get rid of it completely. And with that gone, we can completely like ignore this part of our history. It hopefully goes away. And, you know, as time is told, a lot of the times it does just go away. And I think that's what they're, they're that's their angle on this. I agree. All right. So let's move on to uh, Walt, the pooping statue. <laughs> Wait, where's the where's the pooping statue? Have have you not have you not seen the picture of the statue that they're going to put at Walt Disney in Hong Kong land? No. It, it very much looks like it's called Walt the Imagineer or whatever. And it literally just looks like Walt Dis a bronze Walt Disney sitting on the toilet taking a dump. <laughs> okay. Uh I have nothing to add to that. I will look for a picture of that before this is over with. But we'll just Brian has given you that great description. 
this is a, this is our audio medium anyway, so you got to go look it up yourself. So go ahead and do that. Uh, I you'll probably know when I look it up later because I'll probably just start laughing. But that's neither here nor there. All right, uh, all right. This is taking forever, so I'm gonna just fly through the rest of this stuff. Um, well, Disney World, uh, they're doing something with Epcot because they're celebrating Disney's 100th. That's right, Disney, the company turns 100, uh, which was a, a lot of the branding, I think, starting next year will reflect that. Um, oh, Jesus. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just read this part uh, about Epcot with their little purple dragon figment. Uh, if you've been to Epcot, you've probably seen figment. My daughter loves Figment. I think Figment is really, really stupid. And he just happens to show up in this report. That's why you got that, res- that response from me. Um, for you aficionados, the Hatbox Ghost will return to the Haunted Mansion. I just mentioned that quickly for people that know what that is. Uh, the big thing for Disney World, for, for me, besides the uh, Splash Mountain re- reskin, is the Tron light cycles that they're adding to um, Tomorrowland, I think it should be next to uh, Space Mountain, and that they will open in the spring of 2023. Um, if you don't know what this, the Tron Life Cycle run is, uh, just Google it because I think there's one in Disney Japan, and it's going to be similar. There's going to be one that is similar in uh, Walt Disney World. It's an actual roller coaster. If you know Tron, you kind of already got the gist of what this is. I, for one, cannot wait to ride this. Uh, so just, if you like that kind of stuff, go ahead and look it up. I think you'll be really be intrigued by it. I agree. Um, it's, it's, it's light stuff for Disney World, but I, I, I like what they're doing with the, uh, with, the, with the way that they're doing that. Okay. Um, all right, the cruises. They're, they're adding another cruise ship. They're going to have a, a Latin-inspired Grand Hall. Um, they'll now travel to Australia and New Zealand start New Zealand starting next October. Uh, and they're looking at opening a island vac- island vacation spot in the Bahamas. Cause I and I cannot imagine how much that would cost. But and I want to run through the international stuff. They're gonna do a looks like uh Shanghai is going to do the new Zootopia land. They have no date. Uh, I do see the the blurb about the Walt Disney statue in Hong Kong. Uh, they say that it is inspired by Walt watching children on a merry-go-round. So take Brian's description and then take what I just said and put those together and do what you will with that. Um, there's going to be a new Tangled theme attraction. Maybe he was watching them from the toilet. I don't know. And I'm going to keep going through that. I'm not going to acknowledge that. Uh, Tokyo is going to get new stuff based on Frozen Tangled and Peter Pan and Space Mountain. Uh, and Tokyo looks like it's going to close down for like a transformation, they say, uh, in in 2024. And it looks like they'll have a plaza built around it for 2027. And... And... The last bit of notes they talked about maybe revamping the Dino Land and Animal Kingdom in um, in Disney World in Florida, possibly doing more Zootopia with it, and maybe some Moana. 
Um, and then there's something about Big Thunder Mountain. It's not really all that relevant. But yeah, that's kind of, that's the short report on the parks. Um, how would you build a land based on cocoa? I wouldn't build a land based on cocoa. I would incorporate it into, well, in, in Magic Kingdom, I, not Magic Kingdom, in Disney World, I would incorporate it into uh, Epcot, into the Mexico section of Epcot, which I, I believe last time I went, they were starting to do. Because right now, um, it's heavy three caballeros, which was fine. But uh, I think they can do more with with um, with Coco there. Um, but that's kind of that's kind of their thing. Like any of their new any of their new properties that are like based in other countries, uh, they will they will put it in Epcot first. Like uh, the Ratatouille ride that just opened up, I think this year. Uh, that's in Epcot. That's in France. Uh, the Frozen ride that's at Magic at Disney World is in Epcot in Norway. Is in Norway. Whatever Scandinavian place that Frozen take place in, they have their Frozen ride there. So, for those kind of things that are specifically um, um, new con- uh, other countries that aren't distinguishedly American. They'll put it in Epcot first, and I think Ep- they have enough room in Epcot, and it kind of and it fits with themes that are already there. So, I think that's their go-to kind of move. First, sounds good. Let's move on to every major announcement from Disney branded television at D twenty three. All right, and this has so much stuff. So, the first note is what since it is this this is TV is going to include. Everything Disney Plus that is not Marvel and not Star Wars. Um, so Pixar stuff, regular Disney animation, regular TV stuff. If it if it's under the Disney Plus umbrella, it'll be here and not in those other parts of D23. Uh, just wanted to let y'all know that because I didn't know and it confused the hell out of me. All right. So first up is uh, The Muppets Mayhem. It's coming... To Disney Plus in 2023 doesn't give a specific date, uh, and this I heard about this show earlier this year is going to follow the uh, Electric Mayhem, the band of the Muppets, the one where Animal is the drummer, uh, and it, it's it says it's going to follow them as they try to record their first studio album. I don't know the 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 style they're going to shoot in it. Are they going to do it like the mockumentary, like they did with the Muppets, which resemble the office kind of stuff or like a straight sitcom or something else. They don't really say, but, uh, that's, that's the, the next, next Muppet project coming out. Um, Muppets beyond, uh, Muppets, uh, the, beyond the music. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe like, I mean, but that's still that kind of mockumentary style, but I, I would think that it's going to be that way, but they, they don't overly say not well, in this part. The Muppets are the most fascinating thing in the Disney portfolio to me because they have not, They've had them in their possession since Henson died, and they have not effectively used the Muppets at all, really, since then. They haven't, like, they've done wonders with Star Wars, right? They've done Mm -hmm. wonders with Marvel. They've done wonders with Pixar. They've done wonders with ESPN. They've done amazing things with ABC. Like, they, they, all of their other properties that they have 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 thrived and grown. 
the Muppets are the one that no one can seem to really crack. Um, you get a little bit of momentum with a good project here or there, and it just falls flat. And it's just, it's a really weird thing, especially when you when you have Frank Oz out there basically bashing Disney every chance he gets. <laughs> um, yeah, he's not the he's not the only one. Uh, a lot of people that like the Muppets and like um, the things that they've done with everything else, they will... They, this will be a complaint that the Muppets are underutilized and that Disney doesn't really know. It doesn't seem like they know what they're doing with them. And it's not for a lack of trying. They've done things. Uh, that first Muppets movie with Jason Segel, uh, that was good. Mu- almost everybody that likes Muppets universally like that. And it seemed like they were going to go somewhere good with that. I never really, I never saw the second one. I've heard mixed things about it. Uh, but then they had... The Muppet Show, which I watched, I liked it, but that, I mean, that show, it only lasted a season, but there's a clear break. Like, when it goes to, like, the normal winter break, the show kind of shifts in what it does, and you can, you can, if, even if I didn't know, I would know that something changed. And they, and then they just tried these things here and there, and they just can't seem to pick, get anything that, that has any sustained energy, and it is a it is disappointment. Their, it is their version of Superman. They like Warner's does not have a clear understanding of the of who Superman is and how he works in a modern world, how he fits in a Fox News, CNN, MSNBC world. Uh, and I get that, and I understand that. But like, it's similar with the Muppets. The Muppets are very much a hopeful and childlike and fun thing, but they're of a period where that kind of inspiration and hope was needed and was given to kids for years. And it's something different uh, now, the way that that works. Well, see, unlike those guys across the street, they actually got it to work once. They, which is, uh, but but that's, that's because that, that, um, that is because the uh, Siegel movie, is about recognizing the past of who the Muppets are and what they did and what their place was and saying that they were they were great and, and that there is still a place for them. And, and what the Muppets, what that Siegel uh, movie did was essentially um, what that, Siegel movie did was essentially do the whole uh you know resurrecting Kermit thing. Like the the Muppets are at their best when it's about Kermit figuring out whether or not he still matters or still exists. And and that was a very serious through line. And it just you went back to making, you know, Muppet Treasure Island with the next one. And it just, you know, that's a hard shift to make, bro. Yeah, I don't I mean, I really couldn't tell you what to do with the Muppets. Uh, I, I don't know. I hope this one works. Um, like, I give all of them a try, and I really like. I like Electric Mayhem. I like all the characters there. Uh, so, like, trying to do something with them, maybe that that does something. But uh, well, I mean, it, yeah. this it's the it's the same as like getting, um, it's the same as like giving Beaker and and Dr. Honey do their own show. Like, you can do side stuff like that, but, like, 
ultimately, we're getting closer and closer to a generation that knows nothing about the Muppets. I mean, even the generation that came after mine had the VHS straight-to-DVD movies like uh, Muppet Treasure Island to, like, hang their hat on and, and introduce them to and get them immersed in the world of the Muppets. Coming Generation doesn't have anything but a Muppet Babies reboot. Well, that's true. At, at, but I'll say at least they have that because then it, it like it gets the it it can prep the younger ones while they kind of figure out how to mend the gap between the people that really that still remember them from before and the younger ones that know this Muppet thing now. Uh, like it still keeps them on the hook for some for an audience while they try to figure stuff out. Um, but yeah, that's but this is the this is the thing that happens with. All these characters, no matter the genre, if you don't use them and use them in a way that resonates with the crowd, you're going to run the risk of them disappearing forever, no matter how big they are. It'll always be interesting to me what would have been if he would have lived. I mean, he was already in negotiations to sell with Disney before he died, but like what his role would have been with Disney in the late 90s and the, in the in the 90s had he lived. So. Yeah, I think he could have steered it more at the very least. And then uh, they don't have think a, Frank Oz leaves the way he did, does if 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 Henson is still around. Right. Yeah, right, right. And I think you also get more projects like the dinosaurs out of Henson after after the out of the Jim Henson company. If Henson you know, continues to live. Right. All right. On to the high school musical, sir. Um. Yeah. So there's high school musical, the musical. The series. I know that these were a series of movies that became a musical and now it's a series. I think this is their yeah, they're in season three. If you like this stuff, go for you go for it. Uh I've never seen a second of it. Have you? Uh no. Um high school musical is not my bag. Uh only the like the first two seasons of Glee are my bag. Like <laughs> I left Glee after like season three. So like it, it, that kind of choir music or uh, theater park department kid music is not my thing. Okay. So if it's your bag, go ahead for it. All right. Next on the list was American Born Chinese, um, which has a trailer for it or, or a featurette for it. I didn't actually know this was a thing. This is how much Disney information came out this weekend. I didn't see everything, but um, they start off by. Describing the creative team, which includes Michelle Yeoh, Ben Wang, Kei-Hu Kwong, who is short round for you that don't know, and Daniel Wu. Um, and the show is based on the genre hopping graphic The picture now. of him and Harrison Ford got me in my feels. It did. It did. We're we going to get there. But uh, I was really happy to see that. Uh, and, and to see the old man smiling, that, that, that put it over the top. But we'll get there. Um, so this is based on the genre hopping graphic novel by Jean Luen Yang. American born Chinese tells the story of Jin Wang, an average teenager juggling his high school life with his home life. When he meets a new student on the first day of the school year, even more worlds collide as Jin is unwittingly entangled in a battle of Chinese mythological gods. So uh, it's, Let's see. It has the cast list here. Um, 
And I think these, I mean, they're going to be in high school. I don't really know any of these actors, and except Michelle Yeoh is. It seems like Michelle Yeoh is there as a character. I don't, I don't know how to say that name, but uh, this is a, just at first look. This is exciting. Um, again, more diversity, more representation. Uh, uh, it seems based upon an established property that probably has some popularity to it. I think this is promising. I hope it does well. Uh, I can't imagine that it wouldn't as as long as it's good. Yeah, uh, agreed. And and definitely a different point POV and something for another people that can help us better understand and relate to all kinds of content and content creators. On to something that is vast amounts of internet hate. (laughs) The next project is Percy Jackson and the Olympians. Um, so if you a fan of the books, there, there's a teaser for this. I haven't seen this one, but I knew it existed. Um, but if you're a fan of the books or you're a fan of that uh, movie series, this is the, the, the reboot. From Just from my understanding, I know that the author did not really care for those movies. The author is 100% backing these this show and the moves that are made there which include and i know what brian was alluding to uh, about the internet hate is that the cast is a diverse cast uh we're looking at the picture right now uh on the right is the actor playing percy he's you know a, a white a white boy with like little dusty curly hair but the other two characters is a it's a black girl and it looks like an and uh, an East Asian young man. And I know I haven't seen anything particular from this weekend, but I've seen it before when the cast list was announced and the first picture these three would drop. People were sending their hateful remarks about the characters and the, and their ethnicity playing characters from this book, which prompted the author to be like, yeah, I'm behind all of this. What's y'all problem? But this, but it strikes a chord because it's this is having the same thing. Uh, the same thing is kind of happening with the um, with the Lord of the Rings Amazon project that people are complaining about black elves and whatnot. And they're the same. And they're doing it with game the new Game of Thrones show as well. So this is nothing new, unfortunately. And it's and it's ring his ugly head in Percy Jackson, which I think. Is very. I think it's going to be with the author support so much. I think it could be very, very promising. But uh, you know, internet haters are going to hate. It looks more faithful to the novels, and is is something that's better. I think ultimately for the fan base than what we got out of 20th Century Fox. Um, you know, so I, I'm okay with this. I'm I like the teaser very much. All right, moving on. We got the second season of The Proud Family. Louder and Prouder. Uh, the first season dropped earlier this year. It is the, um, I guess the re not the re. I guess it's the reboot of the Proud Family that debuted like in the late nineties, early two thousands. Uh, Disney Channel, ABC. Uh, so if you, all the cast is back from the original show to this show to this season. So if you, it, with the exception of one person, and he has some problems, you can look that up for yourself. But um, I watched some of these with my kid. She liked the show. Um, 
I know she'll be excited for the second one. Anybody in this demographic will probably be proud, uh, um, interested in the second one. I know there are people that are younger than me that are really that were really into the Proud Family. So I'm glad to see it sticking around and catching a new audience. The Proud Family stuck around and caught an audience. The PJs did not. <laughs> the, well, the Proud Family knew what his audience was, which was you know um, prepubescent. Uh, children, particularly girls, the PJs. Um, so that was a Fox show. It came on like seven o'clock at night with claymation at with claymation sort of animation of black people in the nineties when it wasn't really cool for adults to be in the the cartoons like that, particularly black adults. So what I'm saying is. That that was destined to fail before it started. I don't know. Eddie Eddie was doing some good things there with the PJs. So I, I mean, mean I if, you, if you if you rebranded the PJs now and put it on Adult Swim, it would. Yeah, I think yeah, uh, the Adult Swim uh, Adult Swim was like probably the perfect audience for it. But it was about what eight years too early, at least. Yeah. All right, Brie Larson getting into the uh, producing game. Yep, uh, with a show called Growing Up. Um, let's see. I don't actually know what it means. Okay, growing up explores the challenges, triumphs, and complexities of adolescence through ten compelling coming of age stories. Each episode of the series will use narrated, narrative, narrative, experimental, and documentary fully, uh, filmmaking to follow one casted individual, aged eighteen and twenty-two, as they tell their story. Um, so. Yeah, so each 30-minute episode features one young person or hero and their experience growing up. Each episode is anchored by a deeply personal interview that allows our heroes to walk us through their childhood and teenage years. So, yeah, it's see, this seems to be... Um, seems to be a college, uh, a college film school uh, project given much more funding and uh, a bigger platform. Right. And and because it's Brie Larson and people hate her so much for this, it's probably going to be very diverse. Uh, and I, for one, welcome that. Uh, particularly, if, yeah, if they're letting these letting these filmmakers do their thing in this this venue. I I think it would only make things better going forward. I know people will not agree with that, but good on you, Brie Larson. All right. Uh, next on the list, there are like a few holiday specials. One called Best of Snow that's hosted by Titus Bur- Burgess. Uh, one, Pentonics Around the, Hol- the World for Holidays. That's the acapella uh, group Pentonics. Uh, if you don't know, think, think Pitch Perfect, Perfect is these kind of people. That's their holiday special. Uh, <laughs> the Hip Hop Nutcracker uh, with Run DMC's Rev Run, uh, do exactly what it sounds like. Reimagining Nutcracker, the Nutcracker as a ballet in New York, uh, with a lot of hip hop in it. I think all of these are going to debut, yeah, around the holiday seasons uh, this coming year. And speaking of holidays, the big one for them is they're making another Santa Claus movie with Tim Allen called The Santa Clauses. Um, the is this a movie or is this a show? Movie. That's what I thought it was. Okay, so yeah, basically 
the t- the Santa Claus that we've known for, as Tim Allen wants to retire, uh, and he lo- starts losing the Santa Claus magic. So now shenanigans ensue, and he's got to figure. He's trying to find a replacement and move to and hit move to the South Pole. That's kind of the gist of it. So yeah, uh, they have a holiday slate. That so was, wait, wait a minute. I don't. I don't. I don't entirely know my the Santa Claus legacy. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, I've only seen the first two films. I did not see the third. Oh, I didn't. Um, I mean, Charlie isn't in the picture anywhere. Like uh, that kind of seems like the natural way things would go there. I mean, I know he. I know he remarried and moved on and had other kids, but I mean, I don't. I don't know if. Charlie is not there. I mean, in the the picture shows it kind of shows the cast. It shows Tim Allen. Um, I don't know everybody else in this picture besides Cal Penn. Uh, well, I know that guy is the elf, and they're the kids. But it doesn't explicitly say that Charlie's not there. Uh, I would looking at that, I would probably guess that he's not. But just from what I remember about those movies and especially how he became the Santa Claus, I doubt he would want his son to do it. And on to the thing that is filming in Baton Rouge. Oh, that's where they're doing this? Not the Santa Claus is the uh, national treasure. Yeah, I did hear that. That's right. Yep. So they talked about the uh, the national treasure, uh, the edge of history uh, that's going to star Lizette O. Olivier, oh, it's going to sound like I'm slurring this name, but it's Olivier and uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones. And that one got a trailer because it's coming out uh, in December, December 14th. So this and it's a continuation. It's an expansion of the original series uh, following these new these new characters. We're meeting these young characters. They're going to uncover the truth about the past and save a lost Pan-American treasure. So, yeah. Um, again, all the hate I see about this one is about the same things. Diversity. So, if you're upset with diversity, you won't like this either. Well, the other thing, too, is people have been clamoring for and asking for a National Treasure 3 for a long time. And as as Jerry Bruckheimer and the producing team behind the original films has said, um, basically Disney has a whole lot of content and there are only so many spots on a box on a uh, theatrical uh, release calendar that you can put your properties. And when you have 50 billion properties, it's hard to squeeze them all in. So it's kind of been shuffled back. And also let's face it, Nick Cage not necessarily been the biggest brand name the last 10 to 15 years. Like after the second national treasure came out, he started doing more of his independent pig stuff and like doing that kind of, that kind of work. And, you know, he hasn't really had a desire to jump back into big budget franchise filmmaking. So um, I understand, but like he did say that they've sent off a script for a fully finished script for a phase for a, for a third movie. And they're waiting on cage to get back to them. And in the meantime, we get this nice little TV series, which, again, reveals revolves around all the same kind of stuff. History, uh, government, uh, um, exploring, uh, you know, archaeology, adventure and family. 
because family is a huge, was a huge part of both those movies. I mean, the whole second movie is about did my great 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 granddaddy kill Lincoln or not? Uh, so, I mean, if you're an actual fan of the franchise and a fan of what those movies are, you can't really be mad at the show. I mean, you can, but that just means you're <laughs> an asshole. <laughs> um. So yeah, I I wasn't. National Treasure for me, I never really cared. It's like, it's nothing wrong with it. I saw them, but I saw them way later. So not having a, a National Treasure 3 doesn't really bother me. Doing this new thing, the only thing that bothers me about the new series, and they can, and that can just be, this can be solved by through the story, is that they're clearly trying to say that it's, this is the same place, that they're linked in the same world. So, how are they going? How are they going to link it? And they're linking it, it with a white boy. Oh, is he in this? He is in this. Um, um, white Doug. Yeah, yeah, white Doug. Yeah, I should know his name. He, he's uh, he's also uh, in Geely. He's really it, it. <laughs> uh, he went full. That R word in 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 Geely, but that's neither here nor there right now. Okay, that's fine if it's if that's what like, if that's, that's what the they want to do. They're gonna link it. Well, I mean, they got they got yelled at on the internet for a while about not having a clear connection, and that's when they were like, "Don't worry about it. We've got this guy coming back from the originals." I mean, I'm cool with it as, as long as they. As long as they do cool stuff with it, as long as it's a good story, people will get around. Um, the people that are, you know, butthurt, they'll come around. But you know, we just gotta wait. To see. Okay. Yeah, that's that's fine. All right, let's see if we can fly through some of these. I know we won't really fly through this one. Uh, so the next project is an animated series of Moon Girl and the Devil Dinosaur. This is a Marvel property. It's based on the Marvel comic book of the same name, um, which is Moon Girl. Her name is uh, Lunella. I want to say Lunella Lafayette, and she is the smartest. She is the smartest person in the world. She actually does live in the Marvel universe, and she accidentally brings Devil Dinosaur into into present day New York. And they live together and have shenanigans and adventures and whatnot. And uh, Moon Girl is, I know in in the Avengers campus she is actually canon because you will you can see her in all all around the campus, particularly around the Spider Man ride, and she is canonically there, still the smartest person alive. So that is this character and her big red actual T-Rex looking dinosaur. Uh and I I so I've seen the comic. I thought it was cute. I thought it would it I thought it would be a get, good gateway character and series for kids to get into comics, particularly young black girls, because she's a little young black girl. Uh so for them to be doing this this series, I'm actually excited about it to see what what they're gonna get done. And the cast list, there's some familiar names there, uh, like Alfie Rutter is in it as Lunella's grandmother. Um, I thought I saw some other ones. 
Um, and Lawrence Fishburne is executive producing it, and he's going to re- have a reoccurring role as the Beyonder in the, in the show. So there's some names that you recognize. Great, uh, great gateway show, as you said. Get 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 a younger audience into what a Marvel property can be and should be. Yeah, I think. So just the, don't let I, the just don't let the devil dinosaur, you know. <laughs> yeah, I think that having kids go from the Spider-Man show to something like this will probably be the the way they're trying to track it. So I think it's a good like in between show. All right, uh, the next few things are they have a show called Choir. It's going to be an unscripted show. Um, detailing uh, choirs, like a documentary of choirs. Uh, Madu is another documentary that they're having come. Um, I, I'm trying to read this one right quick. Uh, it's about a guy named Anthony Madu. He was discovered through a viral video. So this was going to be another kind of documentary kind of thing, too, that's coming out this year. Um, they have the aforementioned Big Shot show with uh, John Stamos that that Brian mentioned um, as a he's a girls basketball coach or volleyball coach. One of those two things, but it's the second season of that. Uh, that's what I thought it was basketball team. Okay. So it's the second season of that. Uh, and that starts next month. Um, the, the revamped Doogie Hauser, Doogie, uh, Camela, Kame Aloha. A series. Uh, it gets its second season that starts this year, I think, as well, too. And last one to run through. Well, two more to run through real quick. There's a prom pack show, and that looks to be another. Oh, it's another. It's an original movie coming to Disney Plus. It stars. Imagine that a streamer, a streamer investing in original content. Imagine that. <sighs> Subtle jab there to people across the street. Uh, this one seems to star uh, this. So this kid, his name is uh, Manheim, Milo Manheim. So he's in the Doogie Show. He's in this this uh, prom pack movie. He's also in the next thing that I'll just run through right quick right here right now, which is Zombies Three. That already came out, so I don't know why they. Um, why they did this with a D23 in except because they had him there. So they had them perform something from zombies three, but Disney seems to really like this kid. Uh, and so I would not be surprised if he starts doing some other major things here quick, quickly. That's the only thing I really want to mention about any of those projects. Yeah. Disney, Disney likes the stars, yeah, especially tell them grown ones. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, I the first thing I saw him in was the first zombies because my kid is of that age. And yeah, he's been in all of those and now they're sticking him in everything else. So uh he's getting good work. All right. We're gonna move over to the little kids in Disney Junior. And Star Wars has finally got in the act of uh like Marvel having a show geared towards the real young ones. Uh it's called Star Wars Young Jedi Adventures. Uh it will be set during the High Republic era of Star Wars, and it's going to follow a group of younglings as they embark on missions where they help people in need, discover exotic creatures, clash with villainous pirates, train with their masters, and ultimately learn the valuable skills needed to become Jedi. Compassion, self-discipline, teamwork, patience, and friendship. 
So it's your typical kind of Disney Junior kind of show geared towards little kids. Um, they want to give them, you know, entertaining shows, but teach lessons to the kids as well. Uh, and yeah, focusing on younglings. This whole setup seems pitch perfect to to give to the younger kids. If you watch uh, Spidey and his amazing friends, I imagine it will be in that realm of things. Which is a good way to go. Right. And yeah, that's kind of it for Disney Disney Junior. Next thing went to Disney Channel, which is interesting. I can't imagine what they would have. Uh, See, they have Under Wraps 2. Which is the one of the very first Disney Channel original movies. Like one of the very first Disney Channel original movies from like 1997. And uh, they, they announced that they were doing a sequel at D23 two years ago. Right. I, I, I never saw that. And I never knew it was a thing until like two weeks ago. That was the first time I can remember. Uh, it, was, uh, it, was our, it was it was Doug Jones, I believe. It was the same dude who did uh, the zombie in um, in Hocus Pocus. But it was it was under wraps was a great little movie. And that's what Disney was doing at the time was little small, you know, micro budget campy 90 minute TV movies. And it it was great. That's how we got things like Phantom of the Megaplex. I mean, there's a reason why there's a whole section of, you know, Disney Channel original movies on Disney Plus, because like it's a thing for people of a certain age. Yeah, Uh, you're right. It's 97. But I don't know why it came up. Somebody said something about under wraps. And I'm like, I don't know what the hell that is. Remember if that was before or after Suzy Q, the Suzy Q with the uh, Pink Power Ranger in it. But uh, yeah, I do remember it was one of the very first Disney Channel original movies, and it was it was before Zertha or uh, Xenon Girl of the Twenty First Century. It was before Smart House. It was before My Thirteenth Year. Um, it was it was one of the first, and so to bring it back was kind of kind of special to uh, people of a certain age. Yeah, that that hit that sweet spot of right beneath me because I didn't know it, and um, old enough for young people to not have a clue about what it is. All right. The next project is um, Descendants 4, which if you have kids and watch Disney Channel, you should know that they have this series of movie Descendants. Um, I think the last one came out right before the pandemic. And my daughter's of age, you know, she watched all these. Uh, her question is, how? Wh- what are they going to do? Because one of the key stars from Descendants... Uh, uh, died right when the last one came out. So she doesn't know what they're going to do. But it lo- looking at this, if you've seen the Descendants movies, it looks like it took one of the characters, uh, China and McLean's character, and it looks like they're going to expand it around her and some new characters. So uh, we'll see what that is. But these movies, like, they promote the hell out of these movies. Um, I don't know the the returns with ratings and whatnot, but the fact that they're on four... I think they do pretty well. And finally, they have a they announced the, the next season of Raven's Home. Uh, if you of a certain age, you would remember that. So Raven, well, Raven's Home is the the continuing series of that where Raven has grown up. She has kids of her own. And one of them has the same power she had in that. So Raven 
and shenanigans ensue from there. So we're getting another season of that, uh, which uh, are you surprised? Are you surprised at that? That they got another season of that so rare. Even everything that, not not that they did that. That that like, um, that like they continue to give give her a platform, given her her openness. Um, like she is a child star and 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 has that backing. But like Disney, Disney's always seemed very tight about those kind of things. So I guess it's kind of a surprise to me that they. They continue to to support her the way that they have. Well, I so I think it's like in this current time. No, I think they would kind of. I think they would actively seek that out, even if she wasn't already in the fold, like back in the fold. I think they would seek that out because it's like, you know, they just went through their troubles with when Shaping didn't want to take a stance on the uh, the the Florida the Florida anti gay bill. So to have somebody in their fold that is very openly uh, out about who they are, I think they would reach out for that. But she's she's it's almost like she never left the fold. So her openness, it wasn't a problem when they kept her in the fold. So it can't be a problem now. And I think it's just like this. You know who Raven is. This is the status quo with Raven. So I think I because she kept she had such longevity and kept with them through all the years, it has just become not a problem. There might have been a pro- uh, uh, there might have been a there might have been a time when it could have been a problem, but we're far enough past that where it's like it's I hate to say it like this, but it's an asset for them for her to be as out and as open and as willing to do everything with them that she does. So now I'm not surprised. Uh, I'm surprised that this has been—it's been six years. Uh, I didn't realize it's been that long. Indeed, and I'm excited. I mean, I, I love that these kind of things. I mean, this is kind of what they did with Boy Meets Girl, uh, Boy Meets World, where they did Girl Meets World, and right. it, it lasted for a good long while. So, um, you know, I'm happy that they continue to do all those kind of things and. Uh, um, and that they're giving voice, but, but the, the, uh, Disney, the Disney channel original movies is always fun. I mean, that just, I'm surprised they haven't dug deeper into their back catalog to look through and go through and, and see what they wanted to do. But, uh, but yeah, it's fun. Right. Um, and before we dig in, uh, I think we want to split this into two shows, uh, cause there's just a lot that so we much. still have left to cover so much. And and we're uh, we're we're at two hours now, <laughs> and uh, and I have work in the morning, so so I think we are going to adjourn this session of the Movies in the Brain podcast and pick it up on Tuesday night uh, at uh, at nine and and go from there. That works um, for me, man. It's uh, but I I overall like that first day. Aside from you know the creepiness of Walt Disney taking a poop and being and having a statue made of him, um. It was it was a good day. It was a solid day of information. Um, the park stuff's always interesting because con- the park is constantly evolving and constantly changing in, in a unique and different way. Um, and they're doing their own stuff. You forget that Disney has its own stuff, right? Because it owns so much extra IP. They're still Disney originals. And uh, to see that we're still doing those is, is fun. Um, it's just, it's... It's going to be interesting, and we get to talk in more detail uh, when we chat again about all their other stuff. 
uh, their motion picture stuff, which is going to be interesting because, you know, they showed a freaking trailer for Indiana Jones 5 with the 90-year-old dude at the heart of it. He's only old, 80. 80-year-old dude wearing wearing grandpa pants while cracking his whip. And they ended the trailer, and guess what it says? It just says Indiana Jones 5. They did not give a title for the damn thing. Like, you go to, they you show footage, the movie's less than a year away, and we still don't have a title for it. Well, I mean, the fact that, okay, so they they show that just to those people in attendance. I think they can get away with not having the title there because it's not out for the for the world yet. But granted, like, to your point, it is less than a year away. But when are they really going to start marketing this thing? Like, I think you get your first trailer probably with Black Panther, maybe. We will see. But that'll about do it for this week's podcast. Follow us on Twitter. I am at ECW Tiger Fan. I'm at The Mitch Theory. Thank you very much and have a pleasant evening.